From the kids to Aunt Sue. Keep your whole family connected on all their devices with crowd-pleasing gig-speed internet from Xfinity. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Learn more about gig-speed internet or other popular plans. With Xfinity, you'll enjoy faster downloads and a better streaming experience. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Every day, Comcast Business is helping businesses big and small go beyond the expected to do the extraordinary. Because beyond a simple transaction, there is making a customer for life. Comcast Business. Beyond fast. Take your business beyond at ComcastBusiness.com. If you're a politics junkie, you need to be listening to the Election Ride Home podcast. Every day at 5 p.m., former This American Life contributor Chris Higgins reports from the campaign trail. Who's up? Who's down? What issues are getting traction and what do the polls say? Search your podcast app now for Ride Home and subscribe to the Election Ride Home podcast. I've told people numerous times in the past that if I ever own my own business and I have employees that I have to take care of, one of the job training requirements is having them listen to or read the book by Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It has been extremely beneficial to me through the years. I've listened to the audiobook numerous times. I've got the print book as well on my bookshelves, but it is a pretty long book. However, right now you can listen to the entire Blinkist version and it'll only take you 15 minutes. And you can listen to it absolutely free with a seven Comcast Business gives you the bandwidth you need to power all your devices. Get started with 200 megabit internet and voice for $99.99 per month. And for a limited time, we'll upgrade your speed to 300 megabits for no additional cost for the first year with a three-year agreement. Call 1-800-501-6000 today. Comcast Business, beyond fast. Offering 3120 restrictions apply not available in all areas. New business customers only limited to Comcast Business internet, 200 megabits per second and one voice mobility line. Regular rates apply after the first 12 months. Three-year agreement required. Early termination fee applies. Equipment taxes and fees extra subject to change. Monthly service charge increases by $10 without pay plus billing and auto pay. Day trial to Blinkist. I love Blinkist. I use it every single day. And it's made for busy people like me and you who want to get the main points out of books quickly without having to read the entire book. Because let's face it, we just don't have the time. Well, with an audio feature, Blinkist makes it so easy. You could finish four books a day just while on your commute back and forth to work. And now they have a special deal just for Weird Darkness listeners. You can have a seven-day free trial so you can get all the books, including Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. And after that seven days is up, you can still get Blinkist for 25% off if you want to continue as a subscriber. If not, you can still keep the free version of Blinkist and get a new book every single day anyway. Check it out. Go to Blinkist.com slash Weird Darkness. That's Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist.com slash Weird Darkness. Stories and content in Weird Darkness can be disturbing for some listeners and is intended for mature audiences only. Parental discretion is strongly advised. Welcome, Weirdos! I'm Darren Marlar, and this is a bonus episode of Weird Darkness, which ties into the first story of the podcast from July 8, 2019. In this bonus episode, we'll be looking at what exactly demons are, but I'm making it a separate bonus episode because, well, for one thing, it's extremely long, but also it's coming from an entirely Christian perspective. 
And I know that's not everybody's cup of tea, and that's fine. But for those of you who truly do want to know more about demons, what they are, how they can affect you or your loved ones, and what to look out for and be aware of, then by all means, continue listening. What I'll be sharing is actually an article from the Church of God International, or CGI.org. I'm not endorsing the church or their doctrines, but I do believe that they have some good points in this particular article on this particular subject. It has been edited for content, and you can find the original article online by clicking the link I've left in the show notes. Now, bolt your doors, lock your windows, turn off your lights, and come with me into the weird darkness as we find out what you should know about demon possession. With rampant growth of the occult and Satanism in our societies, and with the exploding popularity of New Age spiritualism, the spirit world is receiving more attention than ever before. But is there a spirit world? Are evil spirits real? If so, what are they? Where did they come from? And what about demon possession? Does this phenomenon really exist in our world today? According to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1-3, through 3, Now the Spirit speaketh, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils or demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. So warns your Bible. But what are seducing spirits and doctrines of demons? Most psychologists and many theologians believe demons to be mere figments of the imagination and regard demon possession as nothing more than an unscientific way of explaining mental illness. But does the Bible support such views? Proponents of the New Age, on the other hand, believe very much in the existence of a spirit world. New Agers claim to have achieved enlightenment and inner peace through contact with spirit guides whom they believe to be the spirits of the dead. Are these spirit guides really the disembodied spirits of human beings? Or are they figments of the imagination? Or are they something else? What about this so-called New Age? Is it really new? And what of the widespread practice of witchcraft, Satanism, necromancy, transcendental meditation, divination, and other forms of the occult? Are these mere passing fancies fads that are not to be taken seriously? Actually, all these spiritualistic crafts and arts we hear so much about today are nothing more than modern manifestations of very ancient practices, practices absolutely condemned in God's Word. Moreover, they are tampering with spiritual powers that could literally wreck their lives. Many people, including theologians from various denominational backgrounds, believe that evil spirits belong to the world of superstition and myth. Satan is nothing more than a literary device, a personification of evil, and demons are mental and emotional disorders such as schizophrenia, paranoia, and psychoneurosis. The many scriptures attesting to the existence of supernatural evil are either rejected as myth or viewed as allegory. The devil of Christ's temptation in Matthew chapter 4, for example, 
he's nothing more than the human side of Christ's nature, or, according to one interpretation, an unnamed human devil, a representative of Herod, who offers provincial authority to Jesus if he will but do homage to the Roman governor. According to this thinking, demons or evil spirits were conjured by primitive imagination. Today, we understand them as mental and emotional disorders. Satan is seen as a parabolic rather than diabolic character, an emblem of evil, a literary personification. As wisdom is personified in Scripture, Proverbs chapter 8, so is evil. As gods are conceived in ignorance and superstition, so are demons. Such reasoning may appeal to some, but if we are honest with the Scriptures, if we accept the Bible as the inspired Word of God, then we should be willing to lay aside our personal ideas and believe what the Bible plainly reveals. The truth is, all attempts to see demons and the devil as mere mental diseases and the personification of evil are really attempts to rationalize something that seems irrational. But the Bible's clear, Satan is a literal personal being, and demons are spiritual personalities that think, reason, speak, and express fear, and under certain conditions can enter into and possess the mind of a human being. When Christ confronted a man possessed by a legion of demons in Mark chapter 5, the evil spirits exhibited their ability to think, reason, and speak by imploring Christ not to send them out of the country but into a nearby herd of swine instead. James says that demons believe in God and tremble, according to James chapter 2, verse 19. Jesus cast out as many devils or demons and suffered or allowed not the devils to speak because they knew him. Mark 1, verse 34. In some cases, the demons came out crying out and saying, Thou art Christ, the Son of God. Luke chapter 4, verse 41, showing that demons are intelligent beings with cognitive and communicative abilities. Demon intelligence was again exhibited when seven Jewish exorcists attempted to cast out an evil spirit in the name of Jesus. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Acts chapter 19, verses 13 through 16. It was the evil spirit that spoke, not the man in whom the evil spirit was. Evidently, the difference between mental illness and demonic possession was acknowledged during the first century. Matthew speaks of those which were possessed with devils or demons and those which were lunatic. Matthew chapter 4, verse 24. Apparently recognizing that insanity and demonic possession are not necessarily the same. It is clear then that demons are literal beings, not mental disorders. Virtually every culture in the history of mankind has believed in the existence of spirits, both good and evil. Such spirits have been called gods, have been venerated and feared, have been regarded the spirits of ancestors, of animals, and of the wicked dead. Throughout the ages, men have attempted to appease the spirits, have sought guidance, protection, good luck, and personal power from them, have created rites and rituals to ward off evil spirits. The Greek word daemon, from which we derive demon, 
originally had a good as well as a bad connotation. Socrates, for example, was thought to have a daemon or familiar spirit that warned him when he was about to make a wrong decision. Many tribal cultures believe that evil spirits are the hostile spirits of deceased ancestors. Ancestral worship and various rites of exorcism have emerged from this belief. Ancient Greeks and Romans believed that evil spirits were the ghosts or souls of the wicked dead and were to be feared. Such ideas about evil spirits spilled over into Judaism. Josephus, the Jewish historian of the first century, apparently believed that demons are no other than the spirits of the wicked which enter into men that are alive and kill them unless they can obtain some help against them. Some even today believe that demons are the spirits of the offspring of unions between angels and antediluvian women. This belief is based on a misinterpretation of Genesis chapter 6, where we read of the sons of God who married the daughters of men. Proponents of this theory say that the sons of God were angels, since angels are sometimes called sons of God, and the daughters of men were, of course, human beings. However popular this idea is destroyed by Christ's assertion that resurrected saints are equal, like or as the angels, in that they neither marry nor are given in marriage, neither can they die anymore. In today's world where gods and spells have been replaced by science and technology, except among New Agers and occultists, demons are often associated with superstition and myth, and are believed to have been conceived in the imaginations of men who lacked scientific understanding. The Bible has little to say on the origin of demons, but the little it does say provides us with information sufficient for deriving reasonable conclusions about what demons are and why they exist. In the book of Revelation, chapter 12, the devil and his angels are engaged in supernatural warfare with the archangel Michael and his celestial armies. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, that's Satan, and the dragon fought, and his angels, and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Revelation chapter 12, verses 7, 8, and 9. This particular prophecy has yet to be fulfilled, but scripture evidence indicates that this, as many other prophecies, has dual meaning where a past occurrence is used to describe a future event. This implies that the devil and his angels have already been cast out of heaven, and from all indications it happened long ago, even before the creation of Adam. The angels that sinned, then, are the angels who followed Satan in his rebellion, whose expulsion from heaven is used in Revelation as a type, a representation of a future event. The main point is that Satan the devil has angels, and the devil's angels are the evil spirits the Bible calls demons. They are the angels that followed Satan in his rebellion. No other explanation for the existence of demons agrees with God's revealed word. So yes, demons do exist. They have been active on this earth for millennia, as we have seen. But what kinds of problems do they cause? Are there different kinds of demons? Are some more aggressive than others? And what about mental illness? How does that differ from demon possession? 
Jesus gave his 12 disciples power and authority over all devils or demons and to cure disease. Luke 9, verse 1. Jesus also gave others, over 70 people, given them the power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, which the enemy, of course, is Satan. And they had used that power and had cast out demons in Jesus' name. But on one occasion, his disciples were unable to cast out an evil spirit. After Jesus cast the spirit out, in Mark chapter 9, verses 17 and 18, his disciples asked him privately, why could not we cast him out? And Jesus answered, this kind come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Notice the words, this kind. This implies that there are different kinds of demons. In this case, the demon appears to have been a particularly stubborn, aggressive kind. Some demons are more aggressive, hateful, vengeful than others, and different demons affect the people they possess in different ways. The following are some of the ways demons affect their hosts. Some demons attempt to hurt, harm, or destroy the person they possess. In the example I just cited, the demon often would throw the possessed person into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. Mark chapter 9 verse 22. The man possessed by the legion in Mark chapter 5 was always night and day in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. Some demons cause physical impairments such as dumbness or muteness, deafness and blindness. They brought to him a dumb or mute man possessed with a devil or demon, and when the devil was cast out, the dumb spoke. Matthew chapter 9 verses 32 and 33. Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him insomuch that the blind and dumb both spoke and saw. Matthew 12 verse 22. He rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. Mark 9, verse 25. Some demons exhibit their supernatural powers through miracles and oratory messages. The Apostle Paul confronted a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying in the book of Acts, chapter 16. In the end time, the spirits of devils will go forth, working miracles according to Revelation. The miracles of demons often include such phenomena as levitation, telekinesis, mind reading, and automatic writing. Perhaps even greater wonders will commonly occur in the end of the present age, when the devil and his angels are cast down to this earth. Demon-possessed persons sometimes display extraordinary physical strength. In the case of the man possessed by the legion, no man could bind him, not even with chains because he'd often been bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. Mark chapter 5. Some demons are foul spirits. We read of these in Mark chapter 9 and Revelation chapter 18. Apparently they are considered foul or unclean because they cause the people they possess to exhibit immoral, perhaps perverse behavior and spew out vile, filthy language and obscenities. Very often, demons cause the persons they possess to appear insane. This may not be true of every case, but it is certainly true of many. 
the man with the legion and the boy who was thrown in the fire and in the water are a couple of examples. In addition to the previous facts about demon possession, the scriptures also reveal that multiple possessions, when a person is possessed by several demons at the same time, occasionally occurs. When Christ cast out the legion, the demons went into a herd of swine, and the whole herd, about 2,000, ran into the sea and drowned. The number of swine may indicate how many demons had possessed the man. In any case, the name legion indicates at least more than one or two, or even seven, which was the number Jesus had cast out of Mary Magdalene in Mark chapter 16. Some present-day cases of split personality could be demonic possessions. Distinguishing between possession and mental illness, though, is often difficult. The rule of thumb is most cases of mental illness are not cases of demon possession. However, where there are marked changes in personality, not the occurrence of despondency, depression, or anxiety, the onset of sudden bouts of violent hostility, or the occurrence of supernatural phenomena in the vicinity of the person in question, then demon possession is a very real possibility. But be careful about jumping to conclusions, and don't go looking for an exorcist when such cases arise. The psychiatric evaluation of a trained professional is the first course of action you should pursue. Well, now that we know what demons are and what they're capable of doing, let's take a look at what they are not. Some people speak of lust demons or jealousy demons or pride demons. Such terminology indicates a basic misunderstanding about the nature of demons and the effect of demon possession, and often provides a scapegoat for the sinner. It is certainly true that evil spirits are capable of subjecting men to temptation Matthew chapter 4, or have a leading role in much of this world's wickedness, Ephesians chapter 6, but problems involving lust, pride, jealousy, and other components of man's nature do not indicate demon possession. The book of James says, "...but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed." Lust is one of the components of human nature. It resides within us all. To blame one's lust problems on a demon is to remove the blame from one's self, where it belongs. Moreover, it is a mistake to see demons lurking behind every bush, or to assume demon influence or possession every time something strange happens. Most unidentified flying objects, strange noises, and creaking floors are not the result of demonic activity or even paranormal activity. Most mental and emotional illnesses are not brought on by demons. But by assuming that demons are to blame for our sins, our pride, jealousy, covetousness, or hot-headed temper and impatience, we're depriving ourselves of any real success in spiritual and personal growth and development. The drives and emotions involved in problems such as these do not warrant expulsion. They call for a firmly established set of priorities for a disciplined life and for time. This is not to say that demons do not exert an influence in the evils of this world. Indeed, they do. But influence and possession are two entirely different manifestations of demonic activity. In possession, the evil spirit inhabits and takes control of the mind of its victim. In cases of demonic influence, however, the spirit is able to put certain thoughts into a person's mind 
but does not inhabit and control the mind. The Apostle Paul links course of this world with the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, Ephesians chapter 2. This suggests that the devil, and by extension, the whole demonic realm, is a major causal factor behind the evils of this world. It also provides an important clue on how to avoid demonic influence. Do not follow the course of this world. Do not become a child of disobedience. Rather, follow Christ. Obey God. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. James chapter 4. The devil and his demented cohorts, the demons, are the rulers of the darkness of this world, according to Ephesians chapter 6. But they cannot rule those who submit to God's rule. From the New Testament record, we deem that demon possession was fairly common in the first century. Perhaps this phenomenon was partly due to a considerably widespread fascination with the black arts, spiritualism, necromancy, magic, divination, etc. Evidence of this fascination is found in Acts chapter 19, where we find the Apostle Paul in the city of Ephesus, the capital of the Roman province of Asia. In this account, God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. That's verses 11 and 12. He then follows the case of the seven Jewish exorcists who attempt to cast out a demon by Jesus whom Paul preacheth and failed miserably. When the citizens of Ephesus heard of what had happened, fear fell on them, and the name of the Lord, Jesus, was magnified. And many that believed came and confessed and shewed their deeds. Many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men and they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. The fascination with the curious arts does not account for all cases of demon possession in the ancient world, but it undoubtedly accounts for many such cases. It's a well-known fact that even in our time, demon possession is far more common among the people of lands where the black arts are commonly practiced than in the United States and other Christian nations. However, evidence of demonic activity, including actual cases of possession in the United States and other English-speaking countries, has increased since the arrival of the New Age movement, with the spread of occult practices and Satanism. Demon possession is a very real phenomenon in today's world, and so is the practice of exorcism, rituals, prayers, incantations, and special methods used in the expulsion of evil spirits from possessed persons. This curious art was well known among both Jews and pagans in ancient times. Some Jewish rabbis still practice exorcism, as do Hindus and Muslims. In some pagan exorcisms, the possessed person is tortured based on the belief that the possessing spirit can be afflicted and thus driven out by afflicting the body of the possessed. Apparently, and for whatever reason, a certain degree of success has been achieved through the use of such cruel techniques. The exorcism rites of ancient Jews were apparently borrowed from pagan cultures. Josephus tells of an exorcism wherein the demon was drawn through the nostrils of the possessed person by use of a special method allegedly handed down from Solomon. 
The rite consisted of a special nose ring and incantations allegedly composed by Solomon himself. Of course, no such rites appear in the Law of Moses and are nowhere authorized by Scripture. If the exorcism ritual described by Josephus was indeed composed by Solomon, then it was composed in his latter years, while he was under the influence of his heathen wives. Many cases of possession and exorcism have been documented in the professing Christian world as well. Malachi Martin, Catholic scholar and former Jesuit professor at the Pontifical Biblical Institute in Rome, recounts five American cases of possession and exorcism in his book Hostage to the Devil. Before detailing the events of the five cases, Martin states that the cases are true and that his accounts are based on extensive interviews with persons directly and indirectly involved and on tapes made during the exorcisms. The chapters that follow recount some of the most chilling events imaginable. The aberrant behavior of the possessed, as well as the supernatural phenomena occurring during exorcism, are in some ways similar to the fictional story of Reagan, the 12-year-old demoniac of the film The Exorcist. According to Martin's research, some of the physical phenomena frequently associated with possession include the inexplicable stench which permeates the room where the exorcism is performed, freezing temperatures in the room, though other parts of the house are warm, telepathic powers about purely religious and moral matters, a peculiar unlined or completely smooth or stretched skin, or unusual distortion of the face or other physical and behavioral transformations, possessed gravity, the possessed person becomes physically immovable, or those around the possessed are weighed down with a suffocating pressure, levitation, the possessed rises and floats off the ground, the chair or the bed, there's no physical traceable support, violent smashing of furniture, constant opening and slamming of doors, tearing a fabric in the vicinity of the possessed without a hand laid on them, and so on. Before the exorcism rites begin, loose objects are removed from the room. During the exorcism, one form of violence may and most often does cause an object, light or heavy, to move about, rock back and forth, skitter or fly across the room, make much noise, strike the priest or the possessed or the assistants. It is not rare for people to emerge from an exorcism with serious physical wounds. Diocesan authorities usually appoint a junior priest colleague to assist the exorcist and to receive training as an exorcist. His role is to monitor the words and actions of the exorcist, warn him if he is making a mistake, help him if he weakens physically, and replace him if he dies, collapses, flees, is physically or emotionally battered beyond endurance, and all have happened during exorcisms. Others are also appointed to assist the exorcist in his grueling task. Martin writes, the exorcist must be as certain as possible beforehand that his assistants will not be weakened or overcome by obscene behavior or by language foul beyond their imagining. They cannot blanch at blood, excrement, urine. They must be able to take awful personal insults and be prepared to have their darkest secrets screeched in public in front of their companions. These are routine happenings during exorcisms. Even with all the care in the world, Martin states, there is no way an exorcist can completely prepare his assistants for what lies in store for them. 
even though they are not subject to the direct and unremitting attack the priest will undergo, it is not uncommon for assistants to quit or be carried out in the middle of an exorcism. According to Martin, exorcisms commonly last 10 to 12 hours, but some continue for several days, and a few last for weeks. Once begun, Martin explains, except on the rarest occasions, there are no timeouts, although one or other of the people present may leave the room for a few minutes to take some food, to rest very briefly, or go to the bathroom. Exorcisms are not only stressful for the possessed, but for the exorcism teams as well. In People of the Lie, author M. Scott Peck, M.D., discusses the two exorcisms he has personally witnessed. One lasted four days, the other lasted three days, he says, and both were successful. And even though the outcome was successful, he writes, most members of the exorcism teams had emotional reactions to contend with in the weeks afterward. Dr. Peck is not certain about which comes first, involvement in the occult or demon possession. But one thing is certain, there is a definite connection between the two. Peck writes, it seems clear from the literature on possession that the majority of cases have had involvement with the occult. Both the patients in the exorcisms he witnessed had been involved in the occult. In one patient, the process seemed to begin with involvement in the occult at the age of 12. In the other, the process apparently began at the age of 5 with something more ghastly than what one would ordinarily consider occult. The lesson is clear. If you value your life, your sanity, your mental and emotional health and well-being, then stay away from the occult. Avoid anything that resembles the occult, including New Age spiritualism. Remember, God utterly condemns such things. And there are other preventative steps that you can take. The following is a summarization of the things you can do to protect yourself from demonic activity. As stated above, avoid all forms of the occult and New Age spiritualism. Also be aware of the harmful effects of drugs, cocaine, heroin, etc., and heavy metal music. Most drug addicts and heavy metal fans are not demon-possessed, but the connection of drug abuse and heavy metal with the occult and with aberrant behavior, depression, and suicidal tendencies cannot be ignored. Ancient mediums used mood-inducing substances and environments to prepare their minds for contact with the spirit world. Their modern-day counterparts are still using drugs. Practice Emotional Control Fits of blind rage, uncontrolled anger, and prolonged temper tantrums may lead to demon possession. Be aware of the existence of demons and the reality of demon influence and possession, but do not become preoccupied with them and do not search for evidence of demonic activity. Most strange occurrences are not demonic in origin, and most mental patients are not possessed. Assuming demonic activity where none exists is more harmful than helpful. Follow the principles of God's Word. God's laws were intended to be beneficial to man. Obedience to them produces happiness, well-being, and true peace of mind. Put your trust in the promises of God's Word. James writes, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. James 4, verse 7. Paul says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 and 7. Paul's words go hand in hand with the promises Jesus gives to those who follow him. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth, he says. Go ye therefore and teach, make disciples of all nations, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Think of it. An exorcist of our time spends long, grueling hours, which may expand into days and weeks, trying to expel a single demonic spirit. He risks injury and emotional impairment during the ordeal, and when it's over, he may require some weeks in recovering from the incredibly demanding experience. But Jesus, who cast out more demons than any exorcist ever has, did not need long hours to accomplish the task. He required no period of recovery, no therapy, once a demon was cast out. He employed no rituals, no special incantations. A single command, come out, brought instant results. On one occasion, a whole legion of demons fled at his command. What power! And that same power provides comfort and assurance to Christ's followers today. For the Christ who with but a single command cast out a multitude of evil spirits is the same Christ who promises, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. To have him with us, all we need to do is follow him, walk down the path he carved, follow the way of life he proclaimed. In the scriptures, both Christ and the path he carved are called the way. And when it comes to guarding the door of your mind, there is no better way. Thanks for listening to this bonus episode of Weird Darkness. Again, this is an appendage of the episode posted July 8, 2019, entitled When Your Home Has a Demon, and I will have a link to that episode in the show notes. The info in this episode comes from the CGI.org website and has been edited for content and time. You can read the full article by clicking the link in the show notes. Weird Darkness is a registered trademark of Marler House Productions and is a part of the BG Podcast Network. Copyright Marler House Productions 2019. I'm your creator and host, Darren Marler. Thanks for joining me in the Weird Darkness. This episode of Weird Darkness is brought to you by MyPillow. Weirdo family member Kitty sent me an email saying, My husband works out of state the majority of the time, and when he left, he wanted to take his MyPillow with him. That's how much he loves his. Right now, you can get two premium MyPillows for one low price. Go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code WEIRD or call 800-945-7192. That's 800-945-7192 or MyPillow.com. Promo code WEIRD. Depression comes to all of us at times. I know personally, as I suffer from depression myself and have most of my life. But if you can't seem to get out of it, you're not alone. Call 1-800-273-8255. They'll show you a way out of your depression, even if you're trying to deal with it through drugs or alcohol. With the FMLA, 
you can take a leave of absence from your job and return to it once you've found help. Call 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255.